podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Double Century on the 99.94 Podcast Network. On June 11, 2008, a black helicopter landed on the outfield of Lords. Sprawled across its surface was the word Stanford, the name of a man who stepped outside once it landed on the turf. He was greeted by the then ECB chair, Giles Clark, and chief executive officer, David Collier. 18 years later, a steward had denied entry to Sunil Gavaska because he did not have the necessary documents on him. Not to mention the many other people at Lords, like Sebastian Coe, who've not been allowed into that facility without their ID. Stanford had the name of his ID on his helicopter. The difference here, of course, was that Stanford had a lot of money. And to be fair, it was an insane amount of cash. And Stanford didn't hesitate to show it off. In front of Clark and Collier, Ian Botham and Viv Richards, he opened a Perspex box full of $50 notes, 20 million US dollars inside, all in cash. Gentlemen, if you've ever wondered what 20 million US dollars looks like, here it is. Well, fake cash anyway. During an Ashes test match in 1968, Gubby Allen was scandalised at the sight of an excess insurance banner near the Vauxhall end at the Oval. He asked at the time, what on earth is that? Benny Coleman, member of the Surrey Committee, had responded, that Mr Allen is £500 and we're broke. Forty years later, a part of the old MCC establishment was horrified by the money again. Around the time that Stanford landed his helicopter, the BCCI had launched a tournament called the IPL. Not between countries or states, but private teams owned by very rich people. Cricketers from around the world had signed up for this league. Many in cricket looked on in horror as they were auctioned by the franchise owners. They were also stunned by the amounts. MS Tony got $1.5 million deal. Andrew Simons, $1.35 million. But the ECB had discouraged their cricketers from participating. The first IPL had only one English player, Dimitri Mascarenas, at the Rajasthan Royals. The ECB had managed to buy time, but it wouldn't be long before they'd start to lose their players unless they could find them a comparable source of income. It was at this point they got an offer from Stanford, the Texan billionaire who owned a bank in Antigua. He had already announced himself as the messiah that would save cricket in the West Indies. His first project had been the Stanford 2020, a tournament among Caribbean nations. The matches were played at the Stanford Cricket Ground, his personal stadium in Coolidge, Antigua. Like every megalomaniac, he'd like naming things after himself and was constantly accompanied by TV crews. The Stanford 2020 was new in the West Indies for two reasons. First, T20 itself was a fairly new format, and not that many people took it seriously. And secondly, every Caribbean nation was part of the tournament. West Indies domestic cricket typically featured six teams, Jamaica, Barbados, Guyana, Trinidad, and two other teams, the Windward Islands and the Leeward Islands, which were made up of a lot of the smaller places. The Stanford 2020 had 19 teams, one more than they had in England. Cayman Islands, the Bahamas, Montserrat, Bermuda, Dominica, Grenada, St. Kitts, Nevis, everyone had a separate team. In 2008, for Season 2, Stanford actually added Cuba and Caicos Islands to make it 21. He came across like an eccentric billionaire who was willing to spend absolutely millions on cricket. The truth is that no one really knew exactly where the money came from or why an American was so keen on spending on cricket, a sport he barely understood a few years earlier. But obviously that wasn't everything. 
Stanford had bigger plans. He wanted to become an important figure in this new sport. What is your motivation? Why is someone who's not particularly interested in test match cricket spending hundreds of millions of dollars on a 2020 game? Number one is to get this sport re-energized in the West Indies with the younger athletes and the younger crowd. Number two is to create a commercially viable enterprise. And by that, I mean something that would not only sustain itself, but would grow to a point it could make money. And we're on a, we have a business model that year after next, we'll be making a very good profit with this. And then the third thing is I wanted to have some fun. He reached out to the BCCI and Cricket South Africa. He wanted an annual T20 match between the West Indies team and their national sides. The prize money would be $20 million for the match each year. Neither BCCI nor Cricket South Africa were interested. Stanford then turned to England. This astonishing sum was exactly what the ECB needed to keep their cricketers on their side. So no wonder they opened Lords to Stanford and his obscene fake box of cash. This season is about rich people who decided that they would make cricket better, more about them, or sometimes both. Maybe they wanted to profit from it or just insert themselves into an 11 they had no right to be in. But they had the money and cricket was purchased by them for their own wants and needs. Welcome to the people who bought cricket. This episode is about Alan Stanford, who arrived as a messiah for the West Indies cricket and dished out prize money, even astonishing by IPL standards. He turned out to be a crook who is currently serving a 110-year prison sentence. James Stanford was the mayor of Mexia, Texas, and on the board of directors of the Stanford Financial Group. His son, Alan, invested in gymnasiums, then in a successful real estate business in Houston. In 1985, he launched the Guardian International Bank in Montserrat. He moved to Antigua later that decade. Here, he changed the name to the Stanford International Bank. There was always a lack of clarity on how he made his money, but he invested massive sums in Antigua, which kept everyone happy. They even knighted him in 2006. The Stanford 2020 started that same year. The West Indies have always had cricket talent, but there have always been tussles between cricketers and their board, and most of that comes down to the fact that they've never really managed to make money at home. And the cricketers were not happy. With Stanford around, there was finally some professional cash incentive for them to be playing cricket in the West Indies. It meant that cricketers all over the Caribbean islands were starting to figure out this new 20-over format. Six-hitting became the focus of practice sessions. Players went to the gym a lot more, where endurance training gave way to weights. This is where the first generation of West Indian T20 champions took shape. Since the Stanford 2020 involved every country in the Caribbean, cricketers from anywhere now stood a chance to make a name and become rich. And given its nature, 2020 cricket also provided a fair chance towards the weaker teams. In the first season, Nevis beat Antigua in the quarterfinal to make it to the top four. The cricketers were paid £1,700 a month for a year. The other semi-final had Grenada. In West Indies domestic cricket, neither nation actually had a separate team. Darren Ganga was the captain of the Trinidad and Tobago side that won the first Stanford 2020. A decade later, Carlos Brathwaite was the hero when the West Indies beat England to become the first team to win the World T20 twice. These things are all linked. And today, both of those men agree that Stanford reignited the passion for cricket in the Caribbean. They acknowledge his investments as one of the reasons behind the West Indies emerging as that T20 powerhouse. But not just as a team, of course. Chris Gale, Dwayne Bravo, Samuel Badry, Kyron Pollard, so many others, became some of the most sought-after names in franchise cricket. The ascent of the West Indies began with the Stanford Super Series. And there was other matches played. There was a Transatlantic 2020 Champions Cup 
was between the Stanford 2020 champions, Trinidad and Tobago, and the English champions, Middlesex. Trinidad won this and took home $280,000 in prize money. But that was nothing compared to the winner-takes-all contest between the Stanford superstars and the England side. This was supposed to be an annual match for five years, with $20 million to be won each time. The ECB and WICB would share $7 million equally. And this was in the middle of a global recession. If anyone smelled a rat at the time, no one could actually prove that anything was dodgy. However, when the England cricketers arrived, they started to get a bit of an idea of the nature of Stanford himself. They were playing an exhibition match against Middlesex when on the giant screen they saw Stanford sitting on the England dressing room player's balcony. That was not all. Stanford was also sitting with Matt Pryor's pregnant wife on his knee at another time, something that Matt Pryor still doesn't like brought up. He was flirting with the wives and girlfriends of other England cricketers, all on the big screen. The cricketers were very shocked by this. The matter died down a little bit when Stanford said he didn't know who the women in the dressing room balcony were. He apologised to Pryor and to the captain, Kevin Peterson. The matter was forgotten, but it wasn't the only thing that the England cricketers felt uncomfortable about. Playing for a winner-takes-all prize just felt a little bit odd to cricketers, and the whole thing just didn't feel right. In the end, the England cricketers decided that they would all share the money equally amongst the reserves, if they won, that is. And they did not win. Welcome to the richest ever single payday for a team sport. 20 million US dollars at stake. Superstars of Stamford against England. The talking has been going on since June the 11th where Sir Alan Stamford landed his helicopter at Lords, and now the action has to begin. The Stamford superstars were chosen by a panel of celebrity selectors, Evan Weeks, Lance Gibbs, Andy Roberts, Richie Richardson, Curtly Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Viv Richards were all involved. They named Chris Gale as captain. The squad was chosen from eight countries. Lionel Baker was there from Montserrat, Lyndon James from St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Darren Sammy from St. Lucia, Andre Fletcher from Grenada, and the trainer and physio were Cubans. Peterson chose to bat, but Jerome Taylor got both England openers quickly. Sammy got their number three and number four. England were bowled out for only 99. Only three of their batters made it to double figures. Gale and Fletcher finished the match off inside 13 overs. The Sanford superstars did not lose a wicket, and they took all of the $20 million. The England cricketers travelled home without a penny. The decision by the ECB to use Stanford as a counter to the IPL backfired spectacularly. And so in January 2009, they agreed to release their cricketers for three weeks to play in the IPL. Five England cricketers got IPL contracts that year. Andrew Flintoff and Kevin Peterson became that season's most expensive players. Peterson also replaced Ryle Dravid as captain of RCB. Before all that happened, Stanford had already fallen apart in, well, spectacular fashion, much like England had in that game. Over the years, the Stanford International Bank had consistently claimed to have higher returns than the market. The SEC, FBI, and Financial Industry Authority all grew suspicious and launched their own investigations. On the 17th of February 2009, federal agents raided Stanford's office. They accused him of fraud to the extent of $8 billion. They froze his accounts and put them under an American federal judge. Stanford tried to flee Antigua but failed. Ten days later, the SEC accused Stanford of running a massive Ponzi scheme. He had apparently cheated investors out of billions of dollars. Stanford denied everything. On the 18th of June, he was taken into custody. A week later, in court in Houston, he pleaded not guilty to charges of fraud, conspiracy, and obstruction. 
The trial got dragged out until the 6th of March 2012. The jury finally convinced him of masterminding a Ponzi scheme. On the 14th of June, the judge sentenced him to 110 years in prison and asked him to forfeit $5.9 billion. On the 26th of April 2013, that was actually increased to $6.7 billion. By then, the England cricketers had become just part of the IPL. The West Indians had started to set trends and already won a T20 World Cup by then. Stanford gave that West Indies T20 side a launching pad. And he also paid a lot of their players as professionals. Unfortunately, he did none of that with his own money. He cheated people and he ripped their life savings away. Some even went on to take their own lives. And what he did in our game, well, it was never about cricket, was it? It was always about Stanford. That's why his name was on everything, including the scandal that we now refer to. And his name lives on in cricket because he's one of the people who bought our game. England lost one game, but so many people out there lost a lot more. Double Century is a podcast on the 99.94 network. You can download our app via the show notes or look for us on social media to see all the podcasts and audio we produce. If you prefer your podcast ad-free, you can support us on Patreon to get that version. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century on 99.94 is a podcast narrated, produced and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes and co-produces the show. Podcast Network.